It's Saturday, August the 21st, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, flight from Afghanistan and the CMA poo-poo's arm takeover. First, the week in brief. President Joe Biden defended the haphazard evacuation of Americans and some of their Afghan associates from Kabul during a speech at the White House. He promised that any Americans wanting to leave will be able to do so, while admitting that the exact number still there was unknown. He extended a similar commitment to Afghan interpreters and others who have helped American forces. In a show of empathy that his critics said has been lacking in his response to the crisis thus far, he describes scenes of desperation at the airport as, quote, heartbreaking. About 13,000 people have been airlifted out since August 14th. Approximately 5,800 American soldiers are stationed at Kabul airport. British regulators raised, quote, significant competition concerns about NVIDIA's acquisition of Arm, a chip designer based in Cambridge, and advised more scrutiny of the deal. The Competition and Markets Authority warned that the American chipmaker could restrict its rivals' access to Arm's intellectual property after the proposed takeover. Britain's Culture Secretary will now make a decision about whether the takeover requires a fuller investigation. General Motors will expand a recall of the Chevrolet Bolt to include the 2020 through 2022 model years over risks that the electric car's battery can catch fire. Some 73,000 vehicles have been affected, costing the automaker about US$1 billion. GM said it would seek reimbursement from its battery supplier, LG Chem. An earlier recall over the same problem covered the 2017 through 2019 model years. AstraZeneca said it would seek approval for an antibody treatment that appears to be effective at preventing people with COVID-19 from developing serious symptoms. In a trial, the chances of recipients developing a severe form of the disease were 77% lower compared than those who took a placebo. Effective treatments could be a life-saving adjunct to countries' vaccination programmes. Meanwhile, Indian regulators approved the world's first DNA COVID-19 vaccine. Zykov-D uses a section of the virus's genetic code to instruct the body to produce the pathogen spike protein. In trials, the jab, of which three are needed, was found to be 66% effective against symptomatic disease. The firm plans to manufacture 120 million doses a year. The Biden administration accused Abiy Ahmed's government in Ethiopia of obstructing aid destined for the country's civil war-torn Tigray region. America's Agency for International Development predicted that food would run out there within a few days. The Ethiopian government, which has been pushed onto the defensive in its conflict against Tigrayan insurgents, denied that supplies were being blocked on purpose. A federal appeals court upheld the Biden administration's moratorium on evictions after landlords sue to end it in a case that will probably go to the Supreme Court. In June, the highest court let stand an earlier freeze. 
But Justice Brett Kavanaugh, who cast the deciding vote then, warned that future bans probably would not pass constitutional muster unless they got congressional authorization. This moratorium expires in October. And word of the week. Goom. Noun stroke verb. An enforced disappearance. Hundreds of Bangladeshis, including dissidents and opponents of the ruling party, are reckoned to have vanished in recent years. And now, here's today's agenda. Dogged criticism. Paw Patrol. The animated children's series, following a young boy and a team of search and rescue puppies, debuted on television in 2013 and quickly became a hit. Brian Robbins, the president of the children's division of Viacom CBS, has said, quote, There's no preschool franchise bigger from a TV rating standpoint. The show's merchandise is thought to have generated around $7 billion US dollars in global retail sales in its first five years on screen. A new Paw Patrol film, released yesterday in America, will be welcomed by legions of youngsters. Small children will be delighted, some lefty parents less so. In a paper published last year, Liam Kennedy of King's University College in London, Ontario, argued that Paw Patrol presents the state as, quote, either incapable of delivering or unwilling to provide basic social services, and, quote, encourages complicity in a global capitalist system. Previewing the film, a writer for The Guardian argued the franchise exhibits, quote, gross right-wingery and, quote, sort of Ayn Randian objectivism. Given the show's popularity, the critics can bark as loud as they like. Take two, Kate Clanchy to rewrite memoir. When Kate Clanchy published an account of her life as a teacher in 2019, Some Kids I Taught and What They Taught Me, critics hailed it as authentic and inspiring. The book won the Orwell Prize for political writing the following year. Many readers, however, took issue with some of Ms Clanchy's descriptions of former pupils, saying they were racist and ableist. In response, the author, falsely, claimed the accusations were based on fabricated passages, igniting a debate on social media. Ms Clanchy later recanted. Her publisher announced last week that she would be updating her memoir with input from, quote, specialist readers. But the affair has prompted a broader reckoning in the publishing world. Writers of colour and disabled authors who criticise the book have expressed frustration with the literary establishment for ignoring their views. They believe there are still lessons for the industry to learn. Rules of Attraction Magnetic Prosthetic Limbs Fake arms and legs, although triumphs of modern robotics, often fail to provide intuitive, human-like control. This is because electrodes implanted inside the residual limb detect impulses sent by the brain, which the prosthetic limb then acts out imprecisely. Researchers writing in science robotics have come up with a better technique by harnessing the natural force of magnets. 
They implanted pairs of tiny magnetic beads into the still-attached legs of living turkeys at least three centimetres apart. Any closer and they migrate towards one another. From the attractive forces between the beads, sensors on the legs can discern their positions to within the width of a human hair and hence the extent and speed of muscle contraction. Transmitting the resulting signal to the prosthesis takes only milliseconds. The designers hope soon to test the technology in people with below-the-knee amputation. The added precision will be especially crucial to the dexterity of future prosthetic hands. Tea and circuses. Cricket goes mass market. This weekend, the 100, the England and Wales Cricket Board's latest attempt to position the game as a popular pastime, will crown its first champions. The competition has been a success against stiff odds. Many in the cricket establishment questioned the wisdom of creating another new format when Test, One Day and 2020 cricket already exist. The initial marketing was ropey and the pandemic forced a year-long postponement. But putting matches back on free-to-air television has led to success. Pent-up demand for live sport has led to strong interest from new fans. The main beneficiary is likely to be women's cricket. That the rules are identical for both sexes created consistency. That the men's and women's matches were played one after another also helped. Average attendances at women's 100 matches at 7,500 are twice as high as those for the last Women's Super League before the pandemic. This alone justifies the 100's place in the cricket calendar. Saturday Profile Tracy Stone Manning and the Other BLM The spread of the Black Lives Matter movement has made BLM ubiquitous. But in America's western states, the acronym conjures a different, though also controversial association, the Bureau of Land Management. The BLM is the interior department agency that helps oversee the country's vast public lands and manage its natural resources. Its role in energy development places it at the heart of President Joe Biden's climate policy. And the confirmation battle over Tracy Stone Manning, Mr Biden's pick as its head, has become a partisan brawl. Ms Stone Manning has the track record for the job. She ran Montana's Environment Agency and also worked for two moderate Montana Democrats, John Tester, a senator, and Steve Bullock, the former governor. The federal government owns about 29% of Montana's lands, so Ms Stone Manning is no stranger to the BLM. But her involvement in a decades-old eco-terrorism case prompted Republicans on the Senate Energy Committee to ask Mr Biden to withdraw her nomination. As a student in 1989, Ms Stone Manning allegedly typed and mailed a profane letter to the Forest Service warning that environmentalists had, quote, spiked trees in Idaho. Nails driven into trees can shatter chainsaws, making logging difficult and dangerous. Ms Stone Manning had not spiked any trees and was never charged with a crime, though she did testify against those involved in exchange for immunity. 
Conservatives say the incident demonstrates her, quote, black and malignant heart, in the words of Jim Risch, a Republican senator for Idaho. Democrats suggest their colleagues are actually punishing Ms Stone Manning for supporting Mr Bullock in last year's Senate race against Republican Steve Daines, the eventual victor who now sits on the committee. Never one to mince words, Mr Tester dismissed the mudslinging as, quote, crap. If her appointment is approved, Ms Stone Manning will be the first confirmed BLM director since the Obama administration. Donald Trump never had a permanent appointee. Controversy around the agency will only increase. The BLM is a favourite foil for everyone from liberty-loving conservatives to environmentalists. Its, quote, multiple-use mandate requires it to foster extractive practices, such as logging, drilling and mining, alongside conservation and recreation. As climate change continues to ravage the planet, that balancing act seems increasingly untenable. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Lady Mary Wortley Montague, who died on this day in 1762. No entertainment is so cheap as reading, nor any pleasure so lasting. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening. 